You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 24, the Great Flood. This is a fearful chapter, and our familiarity with it shouldn't lessen the horror as we imagine thousands if not millions of people drowning. The flood account should teach us to fear God. As Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And Hebrews 10.31 tells us it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. As for the veracity of the event itself, as I mentioned before, there are excellent resources available through the organization Answers in Genesis. There are over 270 worldwide flood stories um, that abound, even in cultures separated from each other geographically. One notable example is the Epic of Gilgamesh from ancient Mesopotamia. They have this event as their source, but they have changed it, and some make no sense having either a raft or a cube-shaped box or only one person, negating the possibility of procreation afterwards. It was a global flood rather than a local flood, which could have been avoided by simply going to higher ground. Also, if it was only a local flood, then God broke his promise many times because he said he'd never send another like it. Also, it was not a partial judgment as it's compared to the final judgment, which will also be universal. It's always referred to as the flood rather than a flood. God repeats several times the progression of the floodwaters, first covering the high hills and eventually all mountains under the entire heavens, which were covered up to 22 and a half feet. The mountains before the flood may not have been as high as afterward. There is no place that people can escape the judgment of God. Then he says four different ways that all creatures who breathed, man and beast, insect and bird died, except Noah and those with him in the ark. Only eight people survived. 2 Peter 2.5 says, If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. So it's now 100 years later. Noah is 600. And his son's just under 100 years old. The ark is built and the animals have arrived. They are told now is the time to enter the ark. God called Noah and his family into the ark, like a parent calling a child to come in before the storm approaches. Noah didn't go in until he was told to, even though it was his place of refuge. God guided each step. This move will take one week to settle and house all the animals in their cages and to ensure all the food and water are aboard. I can imagine that the neighbors might begin to wonder if there's some truth to Noah's claims now that they see this parade of animals they've never seen before arriving. And here we see a clarification about the numbers and types of animals. God tells him to take seven each of clean animals for sacrifice and food, and two each, male and female, of unclean animals. And this is another indication that there was some understanding of dietary restrictions or approved animals for sacrifice, 
even before the law was officially given, just as they understood about the need for animal sacrifice after Eden. So these animals have been supernaturally sent to Noah by God. Twice it says they came to him. God also tells Noah for the first time that the rain will last 40 days and 40 nights and the water would flood the earth for 150 days. Then, after they're all aboard, God shuts the door supernaturally and the rain begins. The story reads as history, telling us the exact date it began. They would be aboard for just over a year, 378 days. Judgment was the last thing on the minds of the world's inhabitants. In fact, it says every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. They were going about their lives as usual when the flood came. Jesus said that's what it will be like when he returns. Matthew 24 says, For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. And that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So the ark represented safety, security, separation, and sufficiency. They were safe from the judgment going on outside. They were secure because once they were in the ark, they didn't need to fear being thrown off the boat. They were separated from unbelievers and the wrath of God once God closed the door. And they had all necessary provisions sufficient for survival in the ark of safety. So first, the ark represented safety for those in the ark when the deluge began. How terrifying it must have been to go into the ark and hear the first ever drops of rain, to hear the thunder, to feel the earthquakes and surges of water from tsunamis. To think that the Indian Ocean tsunami of 2004 and all the death, destruction and devastation it caused was the result of one earthquake out at sea. It helps you uh, imagine what could have happened when on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth. Also, the floodgates of the heavens were opened. And that was the water canopy surrounding the earth, also known as the water above the sky. It was emptied onto the earth. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. So the third source of water was also the 40 days and nights of rain. Next, the ark represented separation. The same flood waters that held up the ark were the cause of the judgment on the rest of the world. Those in the ark would have heard the cries of the people outside the ark. Those people didn't suddenly have faith in God. They just didn't want to face judgment, much like Cain complained about his punishment but didn't repent of his sin. Noah and his family didn't have to agonize over whether to let them in or not. God made the call by shutting Noah and his family in from the outside. He knew their hearts. The day of grace was over. God himself shut the door, which was a miracle in itself, as it would likely require a bar to hold the large door in place. The animals going in were male and female, of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. 
Then the Lord shut him in. This closed uh, door irrevocably separated the saved from the unsaved, just as one day the day of grace will be over. So because of his obedience, Noah is in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, which says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Jesus Christ is our ark of safety. He is our only hope. All others are useless rafts. They will not stand in the deluge of God's judgment. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. So just as there was only one door in the ark, so Jesus is the only way to God. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Once they were safely inside the ark, they were secure and would not be thrown out. Once we are in Christ, we are secure and will not lose our salvation. Jesus said, All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. So when we are in Christ, our ark of safety, we are provided with all we need in this life and the next. His death was sufficient to cleanse our sins and save us from the wrath to come. We have all we need to live a life pleasing to God because he has given us his spirit living inside of us. And we also have no need of a rudder, for Christ is our pilot and leads us where we need to go. Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? Sin is an offense to a holy God and it brings judgment. For God is not mocked and a person reaps what he sows. This judgment by water prefigured the greater and final judgment by fire. The people, in spite of being warned about the coming flood by Noah, didn't believe it would happen and were going about their everyday lives and were completely surprised when judgment fell. Jesus said it would be the same situation before his return. God spoke about Noah in relation to Daniel and Job all people who are often dismissed as fictional characters in Ezekiel 14. Jesus spoke about this as a true historical event. God cares for all of his creatures, even in the midst of judgment, and provides for their continuation after the flood. He brings them to Noah supernaturally. The final few chapters of the book of Job show God's concern and care for his creatures. God called Noah and his family into the ark. Preachers call people to come to Jesus, the ark of safety, before judgment falls. Peter compares the flood to baptism because the waters represented death and cleansing. The ark was spacious. There was room for more than eight. We invite others to come to heaven with us because God desires his banquet hall to be filled and yet there is still room. The ark represented separation of believers from unbelievers, the saved from the unsaved. God, who knows the heart, made the distinction and closed the door when the day of grace was over. 
This is the day of grace, and God commands everyone to repent, because the day of judgment is coming, and there will be a time when it will be too late. The ark represented safety from the wrath of God for those on board. Jesus is the only safe place from the wrath of God. Once aboard, they were secure and would not be thrown overboard. When we are safely in Christ, we will not be cast out. The ark represented sufficiency. They had everything they needed on board to sustain life, and they didn't need a rudder because God was their pilot and would bring them where they needed to go. In Christ, we have all we need, and he guides us in this life and brings us safely to the next. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Genesis chapter 8. May God bless the study of his word.